Welcome to the weekly message from Rayma Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rayma.org.au forward slash media. We're going to get into this. Let's look at our text scripture on grace and mercy. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So just a really uh, quick review. We talked about grace last week. This week we're talking about mercy. But here's some of the things we said about this scripture. We uh, said, first of all, it says, let us. So that's inclusive. It means that we can all go. Then we talked about the word come. And that, uh, what does that imply? We need to go to God. God doesn't always come to us. And that's important because sometimes people will say, well, I just don't know why God's doing anything about this. And, and, and actually God is saying, I told you to come to me. Okay, so that's important to know that. And I'm not going to say, I can't say everything I said last week or we won't be able to do this week. Uh, then it says uh, boldly, and really what boldly then means is that you can go to God without fear. And we sang about it uh, and we had, had a word about that today. Then the throne room of grace this is a different kind of throne room. It never existed until the new covenant, until Jesus did what he did. There was never a throne room of grace. Uh, now there is a throne room of grace. Uh, and, and then it also, um, we talked about this concerning that throne room of grace. There's two things you can get there. You can get mercy and grace at that throne room. And here's a statement I made last week. It's really important. And I asked this question, and I think as we taught last week, the word showed it. Could it be possible that these two things, grace and mercy, are extremely important for us to walk a fruitful and victorious Christian life? These two things that we can get at the throne, grace and mercy, and understanding that, and understanding about going to the throne room, is it possible that it's so important to, to know that and understand that to walk a fruitful Christian life and I think the answer to that is yes so we're going to say a little bit more about it and then the last thing that we notice there that it says uh, in that translation it says in our times of need and so we pointed out last week that God doesn't get tired of you showing up in the throne room you know you you know and, and we have to understand that we can go to him as often as we want you're not going to tire God out. He says, "All the you can come to Him anytime." All right, and so that's that's just a little bit of a review from a review from last week. So let's move on now, and let's first of all talk about this. Let's talk about placing trust in mercy. Placing trust in mercy, and here's a scripture: "But I have trusted in Your mercy; my heart shall rejoice." In your salvation I just want you to notice there that uh, the Bible talks about trusting in mercy God is merciful you know many people say I'm trusting God and I'm sure you said it and I'm sure you heard a lot of people say I'm trusting God but I don't know where what about you but I don't remember hearing anybody saying I'm trusting in God's mercy I'm trusting in mercy did, did, did you ever hear anybody say that? I mean, I don't re really remember anybody saying I'm trusting in mercy. 
but I know everyone says they're trusting in God. So I thought that was interesting that, to, that we place our trust in God, but we can, we can also place our trust in mercy. So we're going to say some things about that today. And this scripture right there, it actually reveals, the, the, you know, the character of God, what that reveals to us, that God is merciful. But it also reveals something about man. It, it reveals something about us. And what does it do? Well, it really says to us that we're not going to be perfect. That's what it says. If we're going to trust in mercy, that, that really is saying that, you know, nobody that walks on the earth, Jesus was the only one that did it, and no one else ever will, no one will be perfect, and it's important that we know that we can trust in mercy. Okay? So, uh, last, and, then, and then here's one other thing that we said last week, okay, that the difference between mercy and grace. So we said this, mercy is not getting what you do deserve, okay, and then grace is getting what you don't deserve. So we talked about grace last night, and we, uh, last week, I mean, and we explained that. But now, with mercy, it's, it, that is, you know, means if you do something bad, you should get something bad, but mercy means when you do something bad, you don't get something bad. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. God is a very good God. And he's really made it possible, uh, you know, and, and I thought, well, I would never want to pastor a church that it's the kind of atmosphere where people are afraid to come because you make people afraid of God. And I know in the Old Testament, there you know, some of the things that happened in the Old Testament would leave the image to people that they would be afraid of God. But we're not in the Old Testament now, we're in the New Testament, and actually God made it so in the New Testament that he actually wants us to run to him and not away from him. And it's really important for Christians to know that because, you know, without knowing that, everyone's going to still, they'll continue to be afraid of God. And when, you know, I, my father... Um, my father's a Christian now, and he's like a teddy bear. He's 87 years old. But when I was young, my father was like up and down. Uh, he had, you know, my father, some, he worked two jobs for a while to put food on the table. We, I had six brothers. We had seven boys. And, and uh, so there was a time that my father got up early, and he worked one job, and then he worked, went and worked to another job, and he got home at 11 o'clock at night. And then, then he'd start working midnight shift, He'd go to work at 11 at night, get home at 7 in the morning. He didn't get home. He went to another job, and then he came home at like 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And he was kind of like up and down, so he could come home one day, and he could like say, he could say, I love you, and he could hug all of us. He could come home the next day and throw his lunch pail and start yelling at everybody. And, and you know, and so then, so I, I know what it's like when you're like, then you're thinking when he comes home, how's he going to be? Now, he really changed after he got saved, but he wasn't saved when he did all this, okay? If people think that about God, like how's God going to be? And then it makes people afraid to go to God. And so actually, God did something about that in Christ. And what Jesus did, it makes it so we have boldness and confidence to run to God all the time. So I'm not advocating to do something really bad but when Jesus was on the cross, there was a guy that did something really bad, and he was next to Jesus on the cross, and he humbled himself, and Jesus said, I'll see you today in paradise. 
So I know it's crazy because how, how could you think that God could be so good? But, you know, we can't comprehend God. There's nothing too bad that anybody could do that would keep them, they, they can still go to God. And that's just how God, good, good God is, okay? So uh, when Jesus walked on the earth, he was called the son of David. And we see that with, in Mark chapter 10 with this blind man. Let's look at Mark 10. And let's look at, uh, starting at verse 47, it says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call, uh, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So first thing I want to say about that portion of scripture is the son of David. The son of David is what you call a messianic title. So a messianic title what does that mean? It simply means that messianic means Messiah, and Messiah, the, in our language, to make it easier, it means Savior. So that title, the Son of David, uh, when that man said, Son of David, he was saying, I recognize you as the Savior. So you have to understand, the Jews strongly believed that a Savior was coming, and the Savior was coming to take away sin. And the Savior was coming, and it was, he was going to, going to be merciful. So when he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he was saying, I, I know you're the Savior, and I know you have mercy. That's what he was saying, to make that simple. So it's interesting, he expected healing, and he was so sure that he would get it, that he threw off his garment. Now, back in those days, people that were beggars, they had clothing and garments that identified them. And he had a beggar's garment. And so when he threw aside the garment, he was throwing aside the beggar's garment because he was blind and that made him a beggar. But when he threw that garment aside, he was saying, you're the son of David, you're the savior, and I know because you're here that I'll get mercy. So we're talking about going boldly to the throne room. Jesus was the throne room on earth he was the walking throne room of grace while he was on the earth and you see it's it's an amazing thing because uh the guy another thought here is too he asked for mercy and he didn't really ask for healing now jesus said what do you want and he said i want to be i want to be healed but he said uh he said I, I mercy so we could say this that the guy and 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 you have to understand that covenant, they believed that because of the curse of the law that if a parent sinned, then something bad will happen to a child. That's what they believed back then. So there was one place where they, they said, who, who sinned, this person or his parents? You know, and so he was, th that person was born from birth that was sick, and they, they asked that question. So what are they trying to say is, you know, if the, per if, if the child was born from birth, did the child sin in the womb? 
or the parents sin and they had those kind of beliefs and one of the reasons is because they had uh, the, the fear of the curse of the law okay so basically if you kept the law in that covenant you weren't sick so the, he said have mercy on me but he didn't say anything about healing but he probably thought either my parents or I did something wrong to be blind okay so here, here's the thing they said shut up and he did it he called all the more louder he did it again he wouldn't shut up that's the way god wants us to be if you trust in mercy and know that god is merciful you won't shut up and there's nobody that can make you shut up and so they said shut up he kept going but here's the thing he understood that the savior was there he saw jesus as the son of david the savior and he knew if the savior showed up there was mercy we have to know as christians the savior already came he's seated up in heaven and he's on the throne and there's mercy it's important for us to know that if you want to have a christian life where you're not tormented frustrated depressed it would be interesting to know how many how many uh conditions of mankind are caused by a lack of understanding that god is good and merciful and forgiving and isn't it interesting that when we don't understand that god forgives us how a lot of times we don't we're not forgiving of other people isn't that interesting so it's like a tormenting thing and so you, it torments people because they don't know god is so good and forgiving but then when they're tormented they torment other people isn't it interesting when you know how much god loves you and you know how he forgives you how you're so much more forgiving with people and so you can see that there he said he he knew that the savior was walking on the earth and he knew he could boldly go to the savior the walking throne room of grace on the earth and he knew he could get mercy and actually you know mercy uh, forgiveness of sin uh, sin is a, a root for sickness and when he said i need mercy he knew that mercy and even forgiveness of sin will wipe away sickness because that is one of the roots of sickness when sin entered in death came and eventually it was sickness that came okay so again just reminding with this story mercy is not getting what you do deserve okay and you see that with this guy here okay so let's look at this now let's add on to it how available are god's mercies how available are god's mercies okay so lamentations 3 22 and 23 it says the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness that is a awesome scripture notice there that his mercies they never come to an end notice that they're new every morning so you know when you get out of bed in the morning and you know that god's mercies are new every morning instead of beating you know we don't want to beat ourselves up every you get out of bed and beat yourself up in the morning or you get out of bed knowing that his mercies are new his mercies never come to an end it's a different way to get out of bed getting out of bed every single morning knowing that god is good god is merciful his mercies are available 
that's a better way to get out of bed in the morning. And so I was meditating on that, and a couple phrases came into my heart about that. Here's one of them. Trusting that God is faithful to be merciful empowers us to continue with God. I know that's simple, but that's important. I really believe that this portion of Scripture about the throne room of grace and knowing that grace and mercy are available, knowing and putting trust in that, that God is faithful to be merciful, that empowers us to continue with God. And I, I told you that story. I, I can't get a, I don't know if I can get a better one because it was such a big thing in my life, but I was only saved a week or two, and I, I made a big mistake, you know, and, uh, and, and so uh, I sinned, you know, and, and I fell after being saved a week or two. I don't remember where it was, and I was like up at one or two in the morning crying in the living room in our house, and my brother woke up and he came in and said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I sinned, and I, I mean, I've sinned big time. At least I thought it was big time, you know, and, it, and, it, and I said, I can't do this Christianity thing. I, I mean, I know you, you're good and you can do it, but I can't. And then that's when he took me to 1 John 1, 9. He said, Did you? I was only saved a couple weeks. I didn't know any scriptures, and he took me to 1 John 1, 9, and he showed me that God was faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And, and just to make a point there, once you're saved and a Christian, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You aren't unrighteous, but your behavior can be unrighteous. Okay, and so I, and so I, he said, did you know the scripture? And I said, I, I didn't know any scriptures. I've only been saved a week or two. He said, you made a mistake and you sinned, but God's faithful and you can trust it. He'll, all you have to do is just receive his cleansing. And, and you know, what did that do? I didn't walk away from Christianity. It empowered me to go on. I didn't walk away from God or Christianity. It's important that we know that we don't have to walk away from God or Christianity when we, we can trust in his mercy, okay? This is another phrase that came into my heart. Trusting that God is merciful re removes fear and empowers us to receive. Now, you know, because it says we can receive mercy and find grace. And so... You, you have to know to receive mercy, you trust, you trust in mercy. You know that God will give you mercy. You trust that. And that empowers us, okay? So um, you, you can, okay, so let's just say and somebody in here, you make a mistake, you do something wrong. The first thing you should do when you do that, you, you don't, uh, and I know this because I've done this before, so I'm, I'm saying that I don't do it now because it became real to me. But when I was a young Christian, if I, even after that happened with my brother, I would still, if I messed up, I would just go, I would go away from God for, who knows, I wouldn't talk to God for weeks because I messed up. Actually, the way that God designed it is if somebody messes up, run to him immediately. You run to God immediately. You can even ask Patsy. There's times that I, something wrong comes out of where we might be in the car and I say something and, and it's wrong. It's not, it's not coming out of my mouth with love. And, uh, and a lot, sometimes when I do that, I don't even feel good in my, my stomach feels. It's like it bothers my stomach. You know, you can see that uh, you can mess your physical body up when you, when you but you, you can ask her, I've, I've done that and I, I immediately say, that is wrong. Father, that statement that came out of my mouth was wrong. Uh, I, 
I just received forgiveness and cleansing for that, and I tell Patsy sometimes that was a wrong statement, and I immediately, uh, uh, I'm sorry that I even said that. And I run to God. It just makes Christianity so much better to just run to God and knowing that you can run to God. And see, none of us are perfect. And if anybody thinks, of course, my goal is to be more like Jesus all the time, but because I have a revelation about this, on my journey to be more like Jesus, I'm not going to have guilt or condemnation because I trust in mercy. Does that that make sense? So on all of our journeys to be more like Jesus, which we all want to be more like Jesus, we need to trust in mercy. And that keeps us on the journey. It keeps us going with God. Okay, let's look at this. Steps to receive mercy. So let's just talk about some practical things today. So like some steps to receive mercy. So one, number one, realize you are doing wrong. (laughs) And you see this, this is the prodigal son. So we we don't have time to look at the whole thing, but this is picking up about the prodigal son. So it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the higher servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. But what we want to notice there is when he finally came to his senses. So here's the truth. You know, you're not going to get out of something until you want to get out of it. The prodigal son, he was wallowing around in the mud with pigs, eating junks, you know, he was wallowing around in that, but then he decided, he came to his senses, he decided he wanted to get out of it. And so even, you know, when it comes to anything, now Patsy can tell you how I had an addiction to football, and because I grew up in the States, it was gridiron football, but, you know, um, when, when we were dating, she stopped by to see me once on the NFL draft day, and uh, I was in front of the TV, and they were calling out the names, and I had like all these publications. Now you can do all of this online. You don't even have to buy paper. You just download it if you want to. But all of these, and they study every player, you know, and you can get all these publications, and they tell you every player coming out, how big they are, what they weigh, how fast they run, how much they bench press, all that kind of, their, everything you can know. So I had all that there, and as my team picked, I, I looked in every publication, and I highlighted it in, in yellow, and, and she like comes... And she, I think she was thinking, I'm going to marry this guy? I mean, I'm really concerned now. Like, I, am, I think she was doubting if she was making a mistake. You know? And uh, I, I've got, I, had to, I realized I came to I did that for a while. And I actually got up and taught and preached in churches as a traveling minister in the early days, and I wasn't very well prepared. And the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. And I was ashamed in front of congregations because I was more into football than I was into preparing to minister. And I, I shame myself on various occasions. Uh, the, and, you know, even in my hometown, my family all went to a church, and it was in between first and second year uh, of Bible school. And the pastor, I went back, and the pastor said, would you preach on Sunday night? And I said, sure, well, there was a football game on Sunday afternoon. So I sat in front of the TV. It's, they normally go for three hours. And, uh, and I had a concordance, which you don't even have to have those now because you can do it all online. And, and with, but it was one of the, and I was actually like studying to preach while I was watching the game. 
and that night was so bad, my older brother, you know, I have an older, one older brother, I'm second in line, and he had young kids at the time, so we got home, and he said, Tony, you did something tonight no one else could do, and I said, what's that? He said, you put my daughter to sleep in church. That's how bad it was, and our family is pretty direct if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> So I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't prepared. Uh, but here's what I was going to say. It was an addiction. And I had, but until I realized it was an addiction, I couldn't get rid of it. Okay? And, and so then I did these little like, 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 like and frivolous things where I said, okay, I'm never going to watch, I'm not going to follow football anymore. You know, it was kind of like really like that. That lasted about two days. But then there came a time that I did come to my senses. And that's the first thing you have to realize, you know. So then I did this. I said, I hate football because it says Jesus, he hated sin and he loved righteousness. And I thought, okay, I, you know, and I even had to do this once because I got a, a report like that I if I didn't change, I was going to get sugar diabetes. This is when I lived in Singapore and I was pretty big and the doctor said you're just right on the verge of getting type 2 diabetes and so if you don't make any changes you're going to get it so I said well what do I have to do he said you're going to have to cut sugar out and starches you know cut your sugars out and bring your starches down well I love pasta and I say said many times that I love pasta probably because I said so much that I love pasta that's why I ate so much pasta and I would even have pasta, I'd make pasta at night, and then I'd get up and eat cold pasta for breakfast. I wouldn't even warm it up. And then I ate pasta for lunch, and pot, I was, and so it, it was having an effect. So, it, so you know what I did, and I did the same thing with football and pasta. I started to say, I hate pasta. That was the hardest thing to do, to say that I hated pasta. And it was hard to say I hate football. That was hard, because I love football and I love pasta. I mean, heaven would be eating pasta and watching football at the same time. <laughs> but Jesus it said he hated sin and he loved righteousness. So I started to say I hate pasta and I started to say I hate uh, football. And it was necessary. And then I started to say what I loved. And so the first thing, you know, in order to, to get mercy sometimes, you have to first of all come to your senses and realize this is wrong or I need to change this. And the Bible, it, it says in Hebrews, it says about, there's two things. It says the sin and the weight that so easily besets us. It says lay aside the sin and the weight. So some things aren't sin, they're just weights. I don't think football was a sin and I don't think pasta was a sin, but it was a weight. And the pasta was two kinds of weights. It was... <laughs> It, it caused weight too <laughs> so the first thing you want to do is come to your senses and then secondly you want to decide to go to God okay that's the second thing he did and you see that in Luke chapter 15 and verse 18 he said I will go home to my father and say so he came to his senses then he said I'm going to go home to my father and say and and I like it because what it's saying is like you come to your senses, and the first thing you do is you run to the Father. You go say something. That's what it says. 
we can go boldly to the throne room of grace in any time of need. It's like, it's like a conditioning, you, you condition yourself to run to God immediately and go to him and say something. And then the third thing you can see is that you admit that you missed the mark. And, and missing the mark, that's what sin is. When, when you sin that, you miss the mark. So you go and you see that in Luke chapter 15 and verse 21, it says, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. So he actually went up there, he went to the father and he, re, he was wanting to receive mercy. Okay, now... I taught this, uh, like I said, the first, m the first five weeks of the church when we started over, uh, when we took the church from uh, Terry, we did a five-week series on the prodigal son, and I taught it in depth, and, and, and so many people are here now that weren't there, I'm thinking maybe I should reteach that series because it was really helpful, uh, and it's been, it's been five and a half years since I taught that series, so I can't say everything now, but you'll know that one of the biggest things to do back in that culture in that day was to ask the father for your inheritance and to take off. That was absolutely insulting to do that in that culture. And so even with that in mind, we think all the attention was on the prodigal son, but actually everybody in that little town of farming town, they were watching the father more than the son because what that son did was a, a complete disgrace to the father. And so what we see here, this is a picture of how merciful and good God is. So, so here's, here's what we see now. We want to see God's response to our words and actions when we decide, okay, you come to your senses, you, you go to God, and you, and you receive mercy. Look at verse 20 now. God's response to our words and actions. It says, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. So in that culture, the most offensive thing to do was for a son to ask the father for an inheritance. All the other people, all the other grown-ups were watching the father thinking, you, you, and it was a, also a disgraceful for an older man to run in that culture. So actually what God did there is he painted a new picture uh, by, by giving this example because that father would have, should have waited there and then when his son came, he should have punished him. And so uh, that's getting what he deserved. He should have been punished. But instead, the father, instead of waiting for the son to come and punish him, the father ran to the son and the father gave him mercy. You see that? And that's how God is. We're living in the new covenant. This is the age of grace, the church age. So it's not an age in a covenant where it's like, okay, so we're under grace, so let's sin. Because the Bible says, so, so, so shall we sin because we're under grace? And it says no. It says if you're under grace, you'll actually have dominion over sin. In other words, by being under grace, we're actually empowered and we don't have to have a habitual sin going on in our life but there are christians that get into habitual sin and the way out of habitual sin is the first thing you have to do is come to your senses and know and you have to decide i want to get out and so when i started to say i hate football and i hate pasta and and i love this i don't even know what i said instead of loving that i said i love god 
I love God's word because I know I was staying out of the word and into football, so I started to say I hate football and I love the word, I love God and I love all those other things. It started to make a difference. And, ba and basically speaking, the addiction of football broke and also the addiction of pasta broke. And, and when I broke those things, I, I lost weight and I, my blood, I, you know, I just was in the hospital and my, my blood sugar was perfect. So I went from very close to getting sugar diabetes to having perfect blood sugar because I made some adjustments okay and uh and so i eat pasta now but i don't i don't say i love pasta anymore and i'm not addicted to it and i can control it and i can i can look at football i have to watch out with football i have to watch out because i could get addicted again if i don't watch out and the same with pasta okay but that goes with everything okay so what let, so just what you see here is the father ran to him okay so here's the thing, God knows when we really turn our hearts toward him, and we have to know when we turn our heart toward God, he's running toward us with open arms, okay? So here's one last thing today. Nothing is lost or missing with mercy. Nothing is lost or missing with mercy. So you see in Luke chapter 15 and verse 22, it says, but his father said to the servants, be quick, or quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. So what you see there is the father restored everything immediately. So just a few things about that because we're under grace and we have to first of all know that being under grace you don't lose your righteousness you don't lose you don't lose because we're the righteousness of god in christ we're seated in heavenly places so how do we apply this but because you see he got everything restored personally but here's here's the thought he went to the father and he said i'm not worthy to be called your son so the father never saw it as he lost his son but the son said i'm not worthy to be called your son so what do you see there because that statement came out of his mouth he lost his confidence the son lost confidence he said i'm not worthy when people walk away from god and they live in sin it even though god isn't turning his back on them they lose their confidence that's what happens and so so what you what you see here the fact that the father said this he said okay bring a, a robe represents righteousness okay so he didn't we don't lose our righteousness but we'll lose our righteousness conscious when somebody's just wallowing around in sin and living that way they lose confidence and they don't even see themselves as righteous we have to know anytime that that happens when you run to the father what he's basically saying i love you and he wants to immediately say you can use your righteousness you haven't lost it you're still my son you're the righteousness of god in christ i assure you that you're righteous there's mercy that's the first thing and then you see that he the, the ring would represent authority you know and so like he he basically is saying like i'm restoring everything back to you the sandals can represent freedom and like i say i might teach this uh, some another time and, and get into it 
But what do we see here is as as soon as you go to that throne room, God is saying you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You can use your authority. And I don't know about you, but some Christians wonder. They think, well, if if I do something wrong and I do this, then God won't hear my prayers. There's all kind of thoughts out there. And this is God saying, listen, when you mess up, you come to me immediately, and I want you to know immediately you're righteous, and you can use your authority, and you're free in Christ, and, and you don't have to, you know, have any condemnation or guilt. That's what God is saying here. This is like big time for like fruitful, effective Christianity. I know Christians that haven't prayed for so long because they thought God won't even hear my prayers because I messed up. And what God has shown us with the prodigal son is, listen, as soon as you turn your heart back to me and come, you receive mercy. And that mercy, you know, I, I just, you're cleansed and I don't see what you did. God forgives and forgets. So just one, one final thing here. Forgiveness like with God's standards is this it's giving mercy and mercy means to treat others better than than they deserve to be treated okay so when we when we extend mercy so God does that with us when we extend mercy uh, to those who offended us we kiss the prodigal we kiss the person that that's what the father kissed the son he gave gifts he presented to the, the son that would have been so offensive he gave gifts to the son now, he had a special celebration. We could say, like, could you imagine throwing a celebration for an en- enemy, somebody that hurt us? Now, I do understand there's boundaries you have to put up when somebody is physically hurting you, so I don't want to get into that today, but I'm just saying forgiveness is interesting and mercy because God totally forgets, okay? And so when we get that revelation, think about how we'll treat other people too, okay? So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Uh, for your word today, Lord. I thank you for the revelation of the throne of grace, the understanding that there's grace and mercy up there, the understanding that we can run to you. Thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. I thank you for making that really real. Uh, Father, such a desire that everyone has a fruitful Christianity and understanding how good you are, that they can run to you. Thank you so much, Father, for that. Before we leave today, I just have a, I have a very important invitation that I want to give this morning. And that invitation is I want to give everyone an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you're with us today and you've never done that. And I'd just like to make it really clear, you know, it's important for everybody in this room, if you die, it's really important to know where you're going to go. And so we want to make sure before we leave today that everybody in this room knows where they would go if they die. It's also important to know what does it take to go to the right place. And so you could be here today and you might say, well, I love God. Well, you can love God, but the Bible says there's only one way to God, and that way is Jesus. So do you know how to get to God? Jesus is the way to get to God. There's no other way. So you could say, well, I'm a really good person. But the Bible, and and we go by the Bible, the Bible uh, tells us that our works don't save us, that Jesus is the only way to get saved. So it doesn't matter that you're a good person. Your works don't save you. You can only be saved because Jesus died for you. And then it's really important to know that you might say, well, I've had church membership. Church membership does not save anybody. It's important to know these things. There's only one way to get saved, and today uh, we 
proclaim that Jesus is the only way to, to be saved. So the Bible says that if you confess in your heart and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. And that is the way to get saved. So we want to give everybody an opportunity to do that today. So I'm going to invite everyone to close your eyes right now. And I want to invite you, if you're with us today, this is the most, if, you're, if Jesus is not your Lord, this is the most important thing you'll do. Uh, the whole time you're on the earth, this will be the most important thing you do. And that is to confess Jesus as your Lord. So let's say this together. Dear God, thank you for loving me and sending your own son to make a way for me so I can be your child. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you died for me. I also believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you are living now and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. I give my life to you. Why don't you say this with me? Are you coming up next? Okay, let's, let's say this together. Say, my Father is merciful. I have a revelation about the throne room of grace. I can go there boldly. I can open my mouth boldly. I can receive mercy. I can find grace to help me in my times of needs. God helps me with everything. He helps me with my lifestyle. He helps me with business. Everything about my life, God wants to help me. I can find every kind of grace at the throne grace for Christianity, grace to live in the world, and I, have, there's a, and I can find abundant mercy. Mercy for everything. I'm not afraid of God. I run to God. My new way of living is to run to God, to talk to God, and to receive from God. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.